Okay, welcome back to the Believe You Are a Good Mom podcast. I have Bridget Little today. So exciting. You want to say hi, Bridget? Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Okay, so Bridget is a coach for moms who have kiddos that have ADHD. Just like I'm a coach for moms who have kiddos that have type 1 diabetes. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. And it's extra fun. And I'm really excited to talk to her because, um, well, what we're going to, uh, hold on. Let's step back and have you just introduce yourself first before I get carried away. Okay, sounds good. I'm Bridget Little. Like she said, I coach um, parents of kids and teens with ADHD. I am a mom of six myself. Um, you know, growing up, the signs were all there, but we didn't necessarily recognize the ADHD in our kids till five of them and myself were diagnosed about two years ago altogether. <laughs> so yeah, over the years, we'd figured a lot of great things out and um yeah. That's awesome. So we could do a whole episode on the kids with ADHD, but what I'm interested in is, and myself got yeah. diagnosed. So I literally like have the paperwork right there to take to the doctor later today. Um, is that how you were diagnosed too? Is that you were filling out paperwork for all your kids and you're like, um, I have these signs too, or did you fill out your own or you met with your doctor or what, how did that work out? Yeah. So the way it kind of came about, um, you know, my kids had kind of done well in school when they were younger, you know, when they got a bit older, my boys started struggling with turning in assignments in high school, but, you know, as they went into college and work experiences, they were starting to have a lot of difficulty with motivation. So it was actually my oldest son, that was diagnosed first at, how old was he, 22 or 23 at the time. And um, I started doing a little bit of reading after his diagnosis. And I realized, wait a minute, <laughs> a lot of this applies to me. You know, I'm struggling with some of these things too. And started looking at, okay, what does ADHD look like in women? And that's where I really started to see myself and recognize what was going on. So yeah, I went in for an evaluation at that time and got my diagnosis and, you know, having a better understanding, I started to really recognize it in my children. So we had everybody evaluated and sure enough, it was five out of the six. Yeah. How's that sixth one feel that's left out? Oh, he actually has OCD, which is oh, probably from living with all of us. Right. <laughs> Oh, that's no, so funny. He's happy to be orderly. He's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So what I want to talk about is, um, well, here's the thing. So I remember in high school where I very first started kind of learning about mental health yeah. stuff and my mom said this thing. So, you know how, when moms say things, they stay in your head forever <laughs> and you never question them until you become a life coach or have a life coach that helps you question them. Anyway. She would always say, oh, Emily, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing <laughs> because I would learn about something and then I'd be like, I have this. <laughs> and then I'd learn about something else and I'm like, I have that. And she's like, oh my goodness, stop learning about stuff. You don't have all the things, <laughs> you know? And so that like, she was well-meaning in that, like I probably didn't have all the things. And I always did appreciate that she just sort of brushed it off, like, the way I used to tell the story was like, I didn't want to be put in a box, you know, like as soon as I have a diagnosis and like, oh, then I'm like trapped in this box. Like I have ADHD. I can't get out. It's like, it's like a label on you. And then you have to like, once you identify yourself as something, then you are that, which actually is kind of the whole point of this podcast is that we're trying to identify ourselves as good moms. So then we are good moms. But, um, so I've, I've avoided lots of labels. And then lately as I've been, you know, more like 
you know, noticing things, learning more about things. I'm kind of back in that mode again. Like everything I learn about, maybe I have that, maybe I have that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I guess I do have anxiety. I just never called it that before. Oh, I guess, I mean, you know, cause people in high school were like, um, is your daughter depressed? And she's like, no, she's fine. You know? And I really appreciated that where instead, like, I don't know. I feel like if she had been like, yeah, she is. And like freaked out and like got me diagnosed and got me medicated and who knows what all else. And I mean, it was different a generation ago, you know, these things are a right. lot more common now and things like that. But anyway, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about any of that? Yet? Yeah. Or you know, it was interesting as you were talking about that, because I think, you know, when my kids were younger, you know, I knew they were spicy. I knew they were energetic. I knew they were born easily, but I resisted the label thing too, you know, and I think I was kind of in the mode where, you know, you talk about a little bit of knowledge being a dangerous thing. And I had just heard things here and there, like, okay, the medication's highly addictive and, you know, I don't want to put them on that path, but, you know, so we're just not going to look at that. We're going to work at stretching their attention span at home. You know, we're going to, you know, do all these things that will make it, you know, manageable. And, you know, I think some of the things we did were helpful support, but at the same time, I think I was turning a blind eye to some of the real difficulties that were there. And, you know, I kind of think about it as, you know, an analogy that came to my mind once, you know, if you had a leg that was a little bit shorter than the other, that made running really painful, you know, mm -hmm. can you run? Sure. You know, and, you know, a lot of times with ADHD, our kids can do some things, you know, in certain circumstances, you know, it tends to be highly situationally variable, but, um, a lot of times I don't think we recognize the extra effort it takes and yeah. the pain that that creates. And we kind of tend to tell them to try harder, pay attention, do this without recognizing that there are really valid reasons why these things are terribly difficult. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I think in my resistance to, a label, you know, I, we, for, we forewent some of the help that could have been available there, you know, and some things that could have been. Yeah. Been and so, beneficial. well, first of all, everything's very case by case, you know? Yeah. And so, and what I really like to empower my clients to do is to be their own parenting expert. So, yeah. cause we have so much information out there. And again, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, right? So we get, cause that was my story just in parenting in general is that like, I would read a book and, and like, I have to follow this, what this book says, but then I'd read another book and it said something different. And I'm like, how am I supposed to sleep train? Everybody says to do it differently and which is right, which is wrong. And so to be empowered that like, there's no right or wrong. There's just the way you want to try it yeah. and whether you like it or not and change it. If you don't like it, like there's no right or wrong way. And so even in these cases, like there's not necessarily a, like you didn't do it wrong. You should have right. whatever. And and you learned what you learned from it. And if you had done it differently, you could have learned something different, but it doesn't matter. Like it's all exactly. just, it's all just guessing yeah. <laughs> and learning yeah, and I like think... tapping in. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I think another interesting element of that, as I ponder on the label thing, I love the name of your podcast and the, you know, the idea of knowing that you're a good mom and using that, you know, label, so to speak. Right. Because, you know, I think in my experience, we're going to assign labels to our experience anyway. And in my case, you know, trying to get through school, trying to raise a family with undiagnosed ADHD, my label for myself was I was lazy and undisciplined, mm -hmm. you know, and understanding what was going on. Let me set that label down nice. and yeah. say, actually, I'm not making a choice to be lazy. You know, I'm not making a choice to be undisciplined. This is just the way my brain works and that I can do things to support that and still accomplish the things that I want to. So, yeah, 
which, so when we intentionally give ourselves a useful label, which is my whole intention here, right? So here's the other thing. Okay. So I had a whole episode actually a while ago. I forget what I called it. Anyway, the, I just think a lot about the shadow side. They like to call it in psychology or whatever. And so we all have, you know, or in life coaching, we call it like the 50, 50 concept and things like that. So don't get me started on the 50, 50 though. Because, <laughs> like, um, but as far as like, Oh, loving your whole self, that's yeah. what the episode was about. And so if I have ADHD tendencies or I have like depression or I have, you know, whatever it is that we have that we want to label as like, not so awesome and just kind of push it away or resist it or ignore it or, or medicate it to fix it or do whatever, you know, as if it is like a problem that that's the problem is that we're labeling it a problem. Right. And so the theory is embrace your whole self, but that doesn't mean that you don't need to get some help with your chemicals or your mental wires firing or whatever, you know? And so a little bit of medication doesn't mean that you're not loving the depression or whatever, you know, like you also want to function, you know, optimally. (laughs) And it's awesome how nowadays there is that technology, right? And so in an effort to not be like vilifying our shadow side, we also don't want to like, anyway, can you kind of speak to that balance? Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's a really interesting lesson that I've learned. Um, you know, I, are there challenges that come with the ADHD? Definitely. But there are also, things that come to me because of that, that I wouldn't have without this, you know, there, I have an ability to be creative. I have an ability to connect ideas, you know, in new ways that, you know, provide insights that people haven't heard before. And, and I love that. That's like intellectual playground for me. I'm like, give me all the things and let me think of how they apply to each other. And, Mm -hmm. and I really love that. You know, I have a thing where unsolicited, you know, I can be going through my day and my brain will just serve up the perfectly positioned movie quote or rewrite song lyrics in my head. And it just amuses me to no end, you know, (laughs) inside all day long, you know, and, you know, there's a flexibility in my parenting that comes from it, you know, and the ability to see multiple viewpoints at the same time. And I think all those things are benefits. Now they come with The challenge of, you know, productivity is hard. Consistency is hard. You know, there's certain things that are difficult, but the the flip would also be true. If I didn't have that and those things were easy, it would be harder for me to be flexible with my children when they needed it. It would be harder for me to be creative, you know, you know, and so we're kind of, you do have to just embrace that whole package and love the whole thing because, you know, everything about us has a plus and a minus side, right? Yeah. And all of us, no matter what our deal is, you know, there's countless personality tests that, that you can categorize yourself and then learn about the plus sides or the struggles or, you know, the flip side of both of everything. And so just giving ourselves that grace that just however we are is how we are, you know, and to make the most of it. And that doesn't mean that it's a problem that we need to fix, but it's also not a non-problem that we need to not even think about or worry about or whatever. Cause like, I love your example there. Cause I, I feel like I'm good at that too. Like, um, metaphors or whatever. Like I come up with, I have friends that are like, you're so good with these metaphors. I love it. You know? (laughs) And, um, and, but on the flip side, you know, I'm 
Marco pulling them and I'm all over the place. Like he's he's saying like the most random things and so distracted and, you know, and so, you know, they got to hang in there with both sides of me, like the awesome metaphors and the spastasticness. Right. And so, um, I forget what I was going to say. Anyway, either way, it works both ways, like with our kids to just embrace all of them and know that it's not a problem. But then you go to a parent teacher conference and the teacher's like, "Mm, he got a hundred on the test, but then the next day he got a 50 on the exact same thing. Like, I know he knows how to do it, but he's not doing it. And then maybe you should talk to your doctor about it, you know, like, and, and it it just, it all, you know, you know, it's something that's so interesting about that. I was just thinking about my oldest son and, you know, he, you know, was a more hyperactive type, you know, with his ADHD, but he had this incredible leadership presence that, you know, no matter what setting he was in, all the other kids were going to follow whatever he was doing. And so, you know, he was in this situation where in the classroom on his teams, you know, at church, he was consistently held to a higher standard than the other kids because everybody was going to follow him. And they would say, okay, you have the responsibility to set the example, you know, while simultaneously he had less capacity to do those things in some settings, you know, and it really set up a lot of pressure on him. But, um, there was a point I was going to make with that. <laughs> Give me a second. Let me see if I can think. It's so nice. um, yeah, it's gone. What were we talking about right before that? I Just assume that it's all okay. This out. Uh, nope. I don't edit anything. <laughs> oh, no. It's not going to be there. That works too. All right. Well, let me know um, if you get to it because I remember where I was trying to yes, go. Sounds so good. We'll you got it. I'll jump our sweet ADHD yeah. brains. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, nope. I lost it too. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I didn't do a podcast for a long time. Cause I was oh, like, oh, no, it's supposed to be organized. Okay. So tell me about the difference between, cause we think of ADHD in little boys, right? That they're hyperactive. Yes. They can't sit still, whatever. And so they get diagnosed a little bit sooner, but women tend to be diagnosed later on in life because it manifests differently. So tell me yes. about that. Yes. So as a little girl, um, they are much less likely to be physically hyperactive. They're much less likely to be disruptive in school. So a lot of times a teacher is not going to notice it as readily as she would in a little boy. But, you know, for a little girl, if she were to um, be hyperactive, a lot of that would be internal in her thoughts, or it might, you know, as in my case, it was talkativeness. You know, if something sparked something interesting, you know, my mouth was often going and they just called me pleasant and chatty and it was fine. You know, nobody really saw that as a problem or as a manifestation of, of hyperactivity. And, you know, granted that's back in the, in the eighties when there was a lot less awareness too. Um, a girl is also much more likely than a boy to have inattentive type attention deficit disorder. And so, you know, she may be daydreaming or not paying attention and that doesn't get noticed. Um, So because they're less disruptive, you know, a lot of times it's not noticed. A little girl will also often care more about what other people think about her and meeting her responsibilities. And so, you know, she'll get the assignments done and she'll get them turned in. But, you know, it may involve late nights with lots of tears and, you know, just come at a great cost to her that that doesn't get noticed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, things may be harder. They may take more time, you know, that she may be overwhelmed more easily. Um, But again, those are things that you don't notice externally. And so, you know, it doesn't get picked up 
as frequently in girls unless you have someone that really knows what they're looking for. And so, you know, girls, women tend to grow up just attributing a lot of these traits to their personality. And, you know, so like for me, um, I was like, oh, I'm just undisciplined and, you know, I'm lazy. And I had my workarounds for some things that worked, but, um, you know, over time that took a tremendous emotional toll on me, um, you know, created a lot of shame. You know, I think that's part of what made me feel like I always had to prove myself. Like I have to prove that I'm smart enough. I have to prove that I'm good enough and that I can do things and, you know, ultimately led to an eating disorder for me. And, you know, there's a lot of, of kind of fallout that can happen. And, um, you know, a lot of times because of that emotional pressure, a woman will be diagnosed with anxiety or depression before the ADHD is recognized. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times there's a period of years where they're being traded for, anxiety or depression, where if you treat the ADHD, which is foundational, a lot of that clears up, which is yeah. really interesting. That is really interesting. And, and I remember all... what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, please do. Topic now. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We're all I was just going to say, um, you know, with my son and with my kids, something that was really helpful as they were growing up was to take a look at kind of the characteristics I was seeing and kind of picture what that was going to look like when they were adults. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, my young son and the chaos that he was causing, you know, in every setting he was in, you know, recognizing that leadership skill and thinking, okay, you know, what is that going to look like in him when he's an adult and just, you know, fostering that and giving him opportunities to develop some of that and seeing it as a positive, yeah. you know, even though it was causing a lot of chaos, you know, in yeah. six-year-old yeah, because well, and like you said, I mean, you were like, they're just kids. Kids are crazy. Right. It's fine, you know. They're just a little energetic. Like that's kids, you know. And that's one of the go-to kind of, you know, thought management thoughts that like we go to a lot with moms of young kids. It's just they're just a kid being a kid, you know. And like, there's no problem here. And and they're, you know, I, and it could even be like, well, that's just an ADHD brain being an ADHD brain or whatever, you know. Like when he was little, I literally would like think well if I just pretended he had autism then I wouldn't be so bugged about this right now yeah. you know like it's like and and he's probably on the spectrum somewhere I think we all are actually you know and and so it just kind of gives me grace for how they're behaving that they're not like little right. cookie cutter perfectly behaved kid but then there are these considerations where it's like we do know about the brain and it's just so interesting the difference between like if we had diagnosed for ADHD like as in like they know the different brain wiring, the different chemicals that help it and with different functions. It's just, it's all very cool. And yeah. so um, it's just interesting to be like, well, there's not a problem here. My little daughter is, you know, thriving and, if, and it's great that she cares what her teacher thinks and all the things, you know, but then, well, what about the flip side? Well, is that gonna like weighing out the costs and benefits of doing right. something about it or whatever, you know? And same with us as adults, right? And so now if I'm like, okay, I probably do have ADHD. Do I really want to put myself in that box? Do I really want to medicate? Do I want to, you know, but just even trying it, you want to tell your story about the first time you tried? Yes, the, tried the yeah. medication. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I um I was nervous, you know, I was really hesitant. I didn't know what it was gonna feel like. You know, I'd heard that sometimes things are addictive, and that's you know, a whole topic in itself. You know, typically the stimulants that are used are 
addictive to people that do not have ADHD, but it can actually be protective against substance abuse for people that do because they tend not to self-medicate when things are, are being addressed. So that's, you know, a whole other topic you could talk about, but yeah, I was, I was just nervous about it because you hear all the things, right? And, um, you know, I had the medication, you know, in my purse for about two weeks and I hadn't taken it yet. And we were out of town visiting my in-laws for Christmas. And I realized that I had to go to Target on December 23rd. <laughs> Everyone needs medicine to do that. I know. <laughs> it is, you know, I typically avoid shopping right before holidays like the plague because I don't like to shop with other people. I just get really irritable if people are in my way and there's a lot of noise and, you know, it's just not something I like doing. And so, you know, realizing I had to go do that, I thought, all right, I'm going to try the medication today. And I took it and I was amazed at um, the way it just quieted all the extra noise in my brain down. And I was able to move through that store. And because there wasn't so much of that space being taken up by all the extraneous input, you know, I didn't leave there hating everybody. <laughs> you know, it was okay. I felt calm and I felt like my normal self. You know, I the didn't Christmas feel spirit. Like, I know it was wonderful. And I, you know, and that's when I realized, okay, I had no idea how much extra stuff was happening at all times and, yeah. you know, how much input was not being filtered out, um, as unimportant. And so, you know, that's, that's been a really beneficial help to me as it gives me more brain space. It gives me more patience and tolerance, and it, it really gives me the ability to make decisions better and easier because I, I feel like I have that capacity in that space. Yeah. That's so interesting because we live in our own brains all the time. So we don't even right. realize what's going on in there. Yeah. And so as we get intentional about it, or like, you know, the metacognition, the thinking about our thinking things that we do as life coaches, you know, but then there's still just a whole nother realm of, <laughs> of like, you know, just another layer that pop a pill and see what happens, you know, like, <laughs> we're in a whole different in the yeah, you know, and now, I had no idea you know. things were different for anybody else. Cause I'd always yeah, been in this brain. Exactly. I didn't know that everybody else didn't have background conversations and a song going on at all times. Right. You know? Yeah. So, and, or yeah. my husband will be like, why is the stress level out of 10 right now? Like nothing is happening. Like everything's yeah. and I'm like, no, it's not. I'm super overwhelmed. And it's like, and now I can like go in there and like pick out my thoughts. Why do I feel overwhelmed? Because I'm thinking about every single piece of items in this room that needs to be put somewhere else, yeah. you know? And so to recognize even consciously what the subconscious thoughts are doing is one thing. And then to just like, be able to take some medication that just clears the noise. That would be nice. Right. You're almost selling me on this idea. So, um, so yeah, anyway. Yeah. Right. And you know, it's not for everybody. I have one of my sons that has, you know, some pretty negative side effects on medication. So even yeah. though it's helpful, he, in some respects, he's chosen not to use it. So we address those challenges that he has with strategies, you know, and so there's kind of some scaffolding we build around some of the things he has to do. And so it's really so individual for everybody. You know, for me, the, um, the medication really helps with quieting the noise in my head. It helps with emotional regulation for me. Yeah. Um, but focus, you know, I don't feel like it gives me a huge benefit from that. It gives me a little bit of benefit, but that's something that I have to address with strategies. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's not going to just magically solve everything for most people, but you kind of just have to see, okay, how does this benefit me? And is that, you know, is that something that I want to use? And 
Yeah. You know, what do I do to address the other pieces also? So. Yeah. And it's super awesome because like I said, we want to be empowered to be our own parenting experts and we don't have to get confused by all the, you know, input, (laughs) all the external people telling you what to do. But at the same time, it's nice that there are all those resources, right? Like you said that you had like, there were no parenting books for ADHD kids when you were going through this, you know, and now there's tons of resources, like you've taken the certification and all the things to learn about. And there's coaches like you that can help you if you're, if you're struggling with your, and especially a coach, because at least the way I coach, and I'm pretty sure you do too, is that we're not going to tell you what to do in your action line. And so you have the knowledge, you have all the things that you've learned about the brain and about ADHD. But um, just like I do with my diabetes patients, I'm like, your doctor is telling you how to manage the diabetes. I'm just here to help you manage yourself so that you can manage the diabetes well, you know, because when you've lost your mind, then you have to calculate all the numbers and make sure you're dosing them correctly, but you're in complete overwhelm. It doesn't work so well. So you can, um, empower your clients to do what they want to do with the knowledge of, you know, the options yeah. and then, and then they can tap into their own inner knowing and, and do what's right for them. You know, cause yeah. people ask me like, well, do you coach people into like a non-carb diet or do you <laughs> just say you can eat whatever you want as long as you have the insulin to cover it? And I'm like, I don't, I don't tell you what to do with any of that. Like, that's not yeah. my job. <laughs> that's your job as the parent to decide how you want to parent your children. Even before diabetes was in it, I was like, you can, sleep train however you want. You can feed them whatever you want. I'm just here to help you be the, the good mom that you are and be empowered to make those decisions yourself yeah. and feel confident and I, about it. Yeah. And I think the knowledge and the self-compassion piece is so important because, you know, I think we were talking about this beforehand, but I just came across a study that was done in 2005 that said, um, mothers of ADHD children are 24 times more likely than the average woman to have ADHD themselves. So if you think about that and how girls and women tend to go undiagnosed, you have so many moms that are trying to raise these kids that, you know, there are some extra challenges there when they may be dealing with, you know, some of the same challenges themselves and don't recognize that, you know, and that was definitely my case. I was like, why am I so bad at structure? why is my house a mess? You know, why are all these things happening? And, um, you know, when you understand what's going on and, you know, whether a mother is diagnosable with ADHD or whether she just recognized some tendencies, even just understanding that can be such a big piece of self-compassion because, you know, some of them are beating themselves up saying, I get so impatient. I feel like I'm on a hair trigger and I just yell at my child. And as you dig in a little bit and find out what's going on, you know, you may find out that this child has a really loud, high pitched voice and she's really sound sensitive Mm -hmm, because of this, because there can be sensory sensitivities that come along with it. And, you know, something as simple as, do you want to try a pair of noise reducing earplugs or, you know, even just that recognition of, oh, this kid's being loud and taking up all my brain space can be so empowering because you're not like, okay, I'm just impatient and horrible and and mean, but it's like, okay, you know, I just need quiet box time. There's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason I'm feeling this and I can take care of that need and I can take care of myself in the process. And so sometimes helping with recognition of that really helps with the self-compassion and, and helps them, you know, show up and be the kind of parent that they really are and that they want to be in that moment. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 So fun. Okay. Bridget, tell everybody how they can work with you. Where do they find you? All the things. 
Yeah. So I've, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Bridget Little Coaching, and that's B-R-I-G-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E. My mom was a little creative with my name spelling. Um, <laughs> but I also have a website at BridgetLittleCoaching.com. Okay. Awesome. And I'll put all those links in the show notes too. So you don't have to remember how to spell it. <laughs> Sounds good. Because <laughs> it's one of those names. There's 40 ways to do it. Yeah. Well, yep. Even Emily is one of those names. Oh, I just realized my earrings don't match. JK, oh, I, I did that they were on cute. purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I've got snowman and hearts. Spotify yeah. has video. So if you want to watch this on Spotify, you can see my <laughs> non-matching earrings. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I put it up on YouTube when I think about it. So um, anyway, Okay. Um, let me just put in a plug for my diabetes support group. So if you know anyone who has children with diabetes, send them my way. We do a free, it's completely free. Um, every Tuesday morning at 930 AM, I don't even Pacific mountain time. <laughs> I like look at Bridget. She's looking at me so intensely. I get all nervous. I'm like, when I'm just talking to the green dot on my computer, I'm not as nervous. Anyway. Tuesday mornings, 9.30 Mountain Time. It's just a Zoom call. You come, you don't even have to participate. You don't even have to come on camera. I do a little bit of teaching. We do some breathing, meditation, just like, let's just take care of ourselves for just one little half an hour a week and so that we can better take care of our kids. So it's really fun. Um, Dropthewar.com to sign up for that and all of this stuff because Bridget's going to share this with her people. And if they've yeah. never heard of me before, listen to a couple other episodes because you are a good mom. And I want everyone to believe that. <laughs> because for the children, that's what I like to say, for the children. <laughs> Every child deserves to have a mom that knows that she's a good mom. Absolutely. At least believes it. So thanks for being here, Bridget. Thank you. This has been fun. For sure.